Welcome to the Hannibal Files, a Strange Harbors podcast. This is a weekly discussion of Brian Fuller's serial killer drama Hannibal, which is now streaming on Netflix. Tonight, I'm joined by Amir Turay and Derek Wong. So tonight, we're diving deep into episodes three and four of Hannibal's second season, titled Hasun and Takiawase, respectively, which are part of the traditional Japanese kaisaki meal. Hasun is a course defined by constraints, typically by seasonality and presentation, while Takiawase is a vegetable dish primarily served with meat and or tofu. So we are now on episodes three and four. What did you guys think? Wow, things are moving fast. Uh, (laughs) They are moving fast. I really enjoyed both these episodes thoroughly. I mean, I had my issues with last week's episode, uh, minor issues with last week's episode, but I really thought both these episodes were pretty strong. I really enjoyed the both of them. Yeah, I think uh, starting with episode three, I mean, uh, episode three is a freaking mess. Not like quality wise, but like this episode is pure chaos. There's way too much going on. <laughs> so much crazy shit going on. Um, so episode three is all about Will's trial, the beginning of Will's trial, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's got representation. He's got a lawyer. And so many things happen here. More murder, uh, more Hannibal's shenanigans. There's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> so what do you think of his starting, like, I don't know, nightmare He's being electrocuted by himself. What's that all about? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like a manifestation of like his guilt about letting Abigail down. Because he still doesn't have the full story, right? About what happened with Abigail. It's true. He just knows that Hannibal's responsible for it somehow. He doesn't know like the execution of his frame job. He doesn't know anything. Because he still has that uh, period where he blacked out. He's only getting glimpses like we saw last week of him being force-fed Abigail's ear by Hannibal, um, and then, like, the the convulsions that he, he's been having, you know? But he doesn't know everything, right? So maybe it's, like, a manifestation of, like, his his guilt of uh, of letting Abigail down, you know? Yeah, could be. I like that. It's a good idea. I, I believe, yeah. I'm really not sure what that's about. I mean, we get to assume since it's him killing himself, it's some manifestation of him, like, I don't know, shooting himself in the foot or committing suicide or having harmed himself some way, but I don't really know. So I like yeah. that guilt angle. It kind of makes some sense. Yeah, but maybe. What do you think, Derek? Honestly, didn't put too much thought into it, but I do like the way Jeff framed it. So we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeff, Jeff now that. That's the, that's the take. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to get too much into spoiler territory, but I was instantly spoiled by who the killer was in, in this episode. How so? Um, He's not even revealed until later on in the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I was uh, spoiled because I recognized him instantly as an as like a character actor from other things. Mm-hmm. So oh, I was like, why would they? Why would they hire this guy just to play this tiny little role that could have been played by anyone? Right? I'm not even yeah. going to say like who he is in yeah, the yeah, yeah. in the, in the cool. episode because that'll give it away but like i noticed instantly like who he was and i was like oh shit something's gonna be up with this guy so um i was a little spoiled by the casting so you're definitely the um, little gram of our podcast here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happens way too often yeah jeff looks at these uh, at the cast list and, and, and there's a yellow light and <laughs> some sound <laughs> pendulum. effects yellow pendulum. pendulum um have you guys ever watched the the show chuck no actually I've yeah i have so. Yeah, there was like an episode where they basically do this premise, not not this premise, but the idea that like character actors are, are casted and they are instantly recognizable. So like, I think we've all had that moment where we're like, oh, I recognize that guy. And then of course, that guy turns out to be the, the killer, right? Mm-hmm. They do a whole episode on this where it's a bunch of different character actors our spies are accusing throughout the episode but at the end the person that did do it was like the unknown actor like nobody knew about that's funny yeah hang a lampshade on that right yeah yeah so it was a really interesting episode it was one of i it's one of the my episodes i always remember about chuck i totally understand what you're coming from jeff like um was he in this episode i thought he was in he wasn't in this episode and the, right in the beginning yeah right in the beginning okay i thought it was last episode okay No, no never mind yeah Okay, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But I don't think I caught it just because, mm. like Amir, I caught it the second time, but I don't, I didn't catch it the first time. I caught it more in the credits and not the appearance of the character because it was mm. dark, you know? Because like, I saw the, the name in the credits and I was like, oh, where is this guy, you know? Kind of gave it away for me. But So what did everyone think of Will's, uh, Will's trial? 
I thought it was super interesting to get all the different people coming in and you're seeing who's defending him, who's not. Mm -hmm. I've been on Jack's case all season one. So now he finally kind of admits it's kind of his fault, right? He should have seen the signs. He should have stopped it. You got Chilton, who's the snake, who's just all into this idea that Will's the the murderer, right? A a, Mm -hmm. a really intelligent psychopath. And then you got Alana, of course, with her defense, but we never actually get to see her defense, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I really like that that scene where we got to get to see it, her like practicing it in front of Will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I do like all the, the trial stuff. I think that's where the high is, right? Where we get mm-hmm. to see all these different people speaking up and, and getting all these different viewpoints that I think we already kind of knew where people would align. But I think it's just the spectacular acting all around from everybody. Yeah. So like the interesting thing is that Cade Purnell, um, played by Cynthia Nixon, he wants Jack to sacrifice Will to save his own career and the reputation of the FBI, right? That's mm-hmm. that's her angle. But Jack actually doesn't play along. So, like, he admits to, like, the wrongdoing and saying that he probably pushed Will over the edge, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice to see Jack fall on his sword a little bit to to protect Will. But, yeah, this is, this is very, very interesting until the <laughs> the bodies started piling up. So uh, I like I, li- I like the descriptions, all the descriptions of the trial of Will because they apply so directly to Hannibal as well, like the intelligence oh, yeah. psychopath and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just like, oh well, there you go. There's the there's the parallel right there. Yeah. Um, so I really I really did enjoy enjoy that as well. Definitely mm-hmm. agree, especially what Chilton was saying. It's just like you're basically describing Hannibal, and you're an idiot because you're not seeing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. You think you're so smart, but you're not, Chilton. The big thing that sets off this episode is, I mean, we we get a little bit of the trial at the beginning, but then I guess Will's lawyer gets an envelope and Mm -hmm. opens the envelope and he spills it out. There's just an ear. A human ear. Uh Uh, Very reminiscent of, of, you know, Abigail, right? It's very purposeful that it's it's an ear. But yeah, now we're like, (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) And the the lawyer, his line is, uh, uh, I think I got your mail. Yeah, (laughs) very good. good. I think I opened your mail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at first I was like, what the fuck is going on? Is this Hannibal? Right. So I definitely thought this was Hannibal. And I Mm -hmm. definitely didn't think that the killing being in a different style than his normal was proof positive that it wasn't him because he's smart, smart enough to change his style. Right. He's not always the Chesapeake Ripper. Right. As far Mm -hmm. as I know. Like, does he always, everyone he kills, he has to take an order no. that, like... No, no, he has, he has no issues hiding his style yeah. just to, like, throw other people off. He's not beholden to his uh, signature or whatever, so... Exactly, so I, I didn't think at all that, that you know, there was necessarily another copycat. I read this as Hannibal trying to throw people off and it gets a little squirrely as to what are Hannibal's motivations because he's pretending that he's actually so sorry for Will and wants Will to get off. And then if he's killed this bailiff, then killing the bailiff does present Will with another defense, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that if this bailiff died in a manner similar to the killing that Will is accused of, Will couldn't have killed the bailiff. Um, so it raises doubt that Will committed the original killings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you go, oh, well, maybe Hannibal killed the bailiff in order to free Will for whatever reason, even though he did all this energy to get him in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe his whole plan was to frame Will and then free him and then get the heat completely off himself now. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, so that, was, that was the kind of the idea of what I was thinking. But then he points out that the killing is enough unlike the killings Will is accused of because killer killed before mutilating and so on mm-hmm. uh because of that he uh he actually points that out and that helps the prosecution say that okay it doesn't matter um this defense is inadmissible and and uh the judge agrees so there you see hannibal actually working to screw will over and close off a line of defense right so they had to abandon the insanity defense in order to take up this defense and mm-hmm. so then now it's like oh actually Hannibal's like drawing the jaws of this trap closed now. Um, Is he though? Because I feel like they had a better shot with this new line of defense saying that Will could not have committed these murders. And when the judge shuts that new line down, Hannibal kills the judge. Right. So right? then that's yeah, so then so that's the question. If you were going to kill the judge for that, why did you torpedo the case to begin with? Why didn't you try to make it go over mm-hmm. better? 
Like he doesn't right, even right. really try. He doesn't even really try to sell it. So those are the cracks in the argument against Han- like this is not Hannibal, right? Yeah, he copies a copycat, right? At the end to kill the judge, but then the person that originally took the ear of the the bailiff isn't Hannibal, right? That, that's what. Is that what you're saying, Amir? No. Like you figured that out? Or no, uh, no, you still are not. I convinced. think that I think Hannibal could have killed the bailiff because he switches up his style. Uh, at the drop of a hat, right? So I don't, I don't think it's out of the question that there is only just Hannibal doing both of these killings and just changing his style between them. Um, I think he's versatile enough to do that. And then the, the question is just why, to what end? Why is he trying to manipulate? Like, what exactly is he trying to achieve? And his motivation is very murky to me. It's all very unclear because he is a psychopath and he doesn't have the, well, you know, not in a technical term, but whatever. He's what he is, whatever he is. And so he doesn't have the moral constraints or typical connections to other humanities. You can't really predict how he's going to act or what he's going to do. He right. just does things to amuse himself. So you never know, like, is he trying to get well off? Is he trying to get well – well, he's definitely trying to get well off. <laughs> but he's, he's – he's, <laughs> um, is he trying to, you know, uh, exonerate Will or is he trying to frame Will or, you know, what does he want out of Will? Is Will supposed to be the fall guy? Is Will going to be his, like, serial killer apprentice? Like, is – you know, what does he want here? And because he's such a, like, I think he's still sort of an enigma at this point. It, it's difficult to figure out, like, what all these wheels within wheels are, are meant to mean, mm-hmm. at least for me. Yeah. And and I think the first time I watched this episode, I was so confused as to who was killing who, right? Like, mm-hmm. who and the for what purpose, killer was. Right? And for what purpose. But I think upon, like, I don't know, my second and third viewing, it's it's clear that both the ear and the bailiff are both uh, victims of Will's admirer and not Hannibal. And the judge is the victim of Hannibal. Because okay, the, that, that's, that's clearly the intent, and especially with what you yeah. see later. But I don't think you can know that from just watching this episode. Mm, okay, fair, fair, fair. I don't think you can know I, that at I, all from just watching this episode because do, Hannibal has think... already established his versatility and ability to cloak his killings. So I think it's totally yeah. possible at this point. And I believe at this point, you know, watching I, this for, through I the first time. I think that... that Probably my future knowledge is clouding. I how. think so. I mean, I think that's their intention, but mm-hmm. I just don't think it's possible for them to make it clear because we, the audience, know that Hannibal is a killer. So we can mm-hmm. kind of say, oh, yeah, Hannibal might have done both of these. Whereas to the people in the show, they don't know Hannibal's a killer. So they go, oh, there's a copycat, right? Mm-hmm. But for us, mm-hmm. the copycat could be Hannibal. They could both be Hannibal for us. Right. Huh. Yeah. I see what you're saying, Amir. Like, I think Jeff's right, right? Where this episode. Or I think you're both right, right? You've both said this, that this episode, I feel like, is leading us toward this conclusion that Hannibal killed the judge, but an admirer killed the bailiff. Right. But I could totally see your point, Amir, where, like, episodes down the line, they could be like, Hannibal could have been like, oh, it was me all along, and we could totally believe it, right? Because he is such an intelligent psychopath mm-hmm. killer that I wouldn't be surprised, but... I think right now what this episode is leading us to is that there is an admirer out there and then we don't know who the identity of this admirer is yet. Okay. Right? And so yes and no, I think mm-hmm. I'll push back on that a little bit more too, because I think that like, I don't know if there's an admirer of will in this show, it's fucking Hannibal Lecter, right? Like, like I think it's even described at some point as like, these are like, this is a seduction or these are love letters or something like that at some point. And like, yeah. There's only one character in this in this show who's seducing Will Graham. I guess maybe there is more than one, but you know the primary character seducing Will Graham in this show is Hannibal, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. At least to me, it makes also thematic sense that this is Hannibal, kind of just pulling strings and playing around. Like he set up this imprisonment, and he will dispel it whenever he sees fit. Then I would kind of push back and saying that I think that the show would give us a little bit more of a hint towards that, in the sense that I think. At least Will might figure it out. Like Will's like, oh, this is Hannibal trying to trick me into playing his game or something. Like he he would confide in someone, either Beverly or Chilton now, right? Where he has this kind of relationship with Chilton blossoming in these two episodes. So like I would say that the show itself wouldn't try to trick us that much. Okay, I, I agree. I agree. It does always give us give us a clear window into what Hannibal's doing. It doesn't show the characters on the show. That's a good point. I mean, I, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, that they don't really hide when Hannibal's done something uh, mm-hmm. from us. So that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I, you're right. They do play they do play that kind of straight when he is going to kill somebody mm-hmm. or when he yeah. has done it. So very good point. I, I like if that. If you're idea. talking about like stylistically, the bailiff also does not feel like Hannibal because it's so on the nose. 
you know, because it's got like the wounds of all the murders that Will is on the hook for, right? Because you got the burnt body of like uh, Georgia Matchin, uh, along with like the Glasgow smile of Dr. Sutcliffe impaled on the antlers like uh, Cassie Boyle, you know, because like it's sure, very so on it, the it's nose. A, it's, it's a bad pastiche. It's a bad. Yeah, opinion, it's a right? bad pastiche. Um, exactly. But I mean, I, I and I guess maybe this gives Hannibal too much credit, but it's exactly the sort of fake that Hannibal would cook up. True, true, true. In order for people to not be like, oh, the Chesapeake Ripper is the copycat, is Will's admirer. Hmm. Right? Like, he would just invent a new kind of serial killer with... Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the sort of the level of, I don't know, omniscience that the show has given him, right? So, like, I don't know, I think we do have to take that sort of seriously. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, mean, I think fundamentally, Derek, Derek, you make a very good point that, you know, the show does play it straight when Hannibal's killed someone, so we probably aren't meant to take it seriously that there is a copycat here and that the right. copycat isn't Hannibal pretending to be a copycat, which is initially how I read it. There are just so many layers to this because yeah, wheels with the, wheels. Ad, the admirer is like, oh, he's copying Will, but like Will didn't actually kill any of these people. And he's actually admiring Hannibal's work and Hannibal himself is a copycat. So yeah, it's like a copycat, copycat of a copycat. It's a, it's a lot of shit going on here. Um, and I just want to talk a bit about like the, the, the tableau with the judge. That was really... Some some great imagery, right? A very um, Silence of the Lambs, right? Yeah, yeah. A metaphor for uh, what does what does Hannibal say? Not only is justice blind, it's mindless and heartless. Yeah, <laughs> he would he would know best because uh, <laughs> yeah, he probably did this, right? It's um, like one of those moments where you like nudge your friend. He's like, hey, yeah, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I found the scene very funny. Where like it seems like the FBI's been in there a while. And they're doing their thing. They're investigating the judge's body. But like Cynthia uh, Nixon's character character comes in and like just sees it all. It's like, did nobody like stop people from like who don't need to be there? Come in Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, because she's there for the trial or at least cover the doorway. Right. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like a dead judge body hanging there and like anyone could see it. I just I thought that was really funny. Also, you would think uh, someone at that high up in the FBI would have a better stomach yeah, that's for right, stuff yeah. <laughs> like that, right? Because she gets she got sick over over this. Um, Here's another little thing where you, where where you don't really know which way Hannibal's going. So he tries to convince Jack not to fall on his sword for Will, right? Mm-hmm. So is this Hannibal like being like a quote unquote good friend to Jack Crawford and saying, "Hey, don't sacrifice your career for this," or is this him again manipulating Jack into? cutting will loose which is what he would do if he wanted will to eventually take the blame here or but then if he wants will to take like, the blame why is he killing in order to get will out of it so it's just it's, again it's are you talking about, about the line where he says because his wife is dying that you don't have to go into the ground with her by sacrificing your career is that yes is, yes, yes yes yeah yeah I don't know. <laughs> you never know with Hannibal what his That's the thing. What his he's, deal is. You just don't know. Like he's like a quote unquote friend to Jack Crawford all this time. He's the Chesapeake Ripper. Well that, that's know. exactly what I was gonna say. Like, like, I, Jack is the one person I'm always confused if Hannibal is like a friend to or if he's really trying to screw with him. Because then there's the instance we could talk about what happens in the second episode, we right? Will. Where, we will, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later when, what happens that. in the second episode. Because I also like, is that a is that a friend move or is that a dick move? Oh, it's like, a dick I move. Have that, yeah, I have that question. Oh, right? it's a dick move. So yeah, like uh, he, Jack and Hannibal's relationship very much confuses me. Yeah, I have some thoughts about that too, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that when we'll we get, get to the, the next yeah. episode. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on in this episode, but there's not that much in terms of like B or C plots, right? It's mostly just the trial and then like Will's admirer and then Hannibal and the judge tableau. There isn't that much else going on, right? That's yeah, it's just a pretty long, much very complicated A plot. Yeah, it's just a very convoluted A plot. Exactly. Yeah. But that's what um, I like. I, I like that we get a lot of the A plot and there yeah, really isn't yeah. like a B plot or the B plot's so intertwined with... Because I guess the B plot is technically the the admirer, right? That doesn't really mm-hmm. get solved because we don't know who this person is yet. I, I like that it's so kind of intertwined with the trial and everything. And it, this to me was a very successful story, right? Because yeah. it really pushes the characters and the story along and gives us just compelling imagery, great acting. Like this, this is one of, I mean, I would probably say this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, I do want to mention that now that we're placing a little more focus on Beverly, maybe not in this episode, but definitely the next episode. 
Alana's character definitely suffers, I feel. Yes, yeah. Um, you don't really get much of her in these first couple of episodes. And um, I think I think things get worse for Alana before they get better in terms of characterization. Um, and she sort of has a little moment of romantic foil at the end of this one. Yeah. It's kind of, kind yeah, of yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. A little, kind of a little touching, nice little moment there. Yeah. Unless anyone has anything to say about this episode, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, we can move on to uh, Takiawase. So we get, albeit it's a dream sequence, but we get a little bit of Abigail, right, in this episode. Mm-hmm. Casey Rolls gets to come back and do a little bit uh, for the second season. Mm-hmm. I found this like a really like tender, like sweet moment. This kind of dream he's having that he's, in a sense, Abigail's father, right? Teaching Abigail how to fish yeah which i thought was really really sweet and I, I do love the kind of the parallel that he spats out about like you know hunting and fishing are basically the same you know but you know fishing is one you shoot and the other you lure and yeah. that is a metaphor for the entire episode yeah <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely um, and uh this is what happens when you shoot instead of lure and beverly wants to shoot and hannibal wants to lure and someone comes out on top so <laughs> uh, don't show, know. Well, the show's now called Beverly Cats, so I think it comes out on top. <laughs> All right, we're going to skip. I'm skipping so ahead. So a little bit. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me okay, jump okay, in okay, okay, real quick right. with the dream, the dream sequence. At yeah. first, I was like, is this a memory? Like, would they have ever had the chance to go do something like this? They could have. I mean, I think it is a dream sequence, but, like, the le- the amount of time that she is, like, alive, I guess, in the show is a little bit, like unclear so i feel like it's up in the air point yeah. when they could have done this i know i think it's a could have but i, I would no, say no but it's a dream sequence it is a dream sequence. i just i just this is another one of my you know initial like interpretations being incorrect but at first i was like mm-hmm. is this a memory like could this have and happened? there's no insane dream imagery is there yeah, yeah no it's no. very yeah no. it's very yeah there's no like uh or Wendigo, Wendigo, or whatever. Well, the only thing is, is I think Abigail says a line about like how you failed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that. That gives away that it's a dream, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. So it is, it's definitely a dream, but yeah, I did like that. It set up uh, the metaphor for the entire episode. You know, between between the the shooting and the hunting, right? Um, Before we get into the big chunk of the episode, like the actual good stuff, let's just talk about Killer of the Week real quick. Yeah, this was one of those where you go, oh, another Killer of the Week. But it's actually, it's it's, it's okay. I did not like this one. So I didn't either, but... I kind of came around on it a little bit. So tell me Mm. me what you thought, man. What what do you think initially? Oh, I'm curious. I want to know. Um, I just think it's just one of those uh, shoehorned in kind of things. And it felt like one of those instances where they just they had to solve it because they had to. But like it all just kind of ends in a uh, who was the killer from last week? The one that created the totem last week, not last week, uh, last season, the the one who created the totem. uh, Lawrence Wells. Yeah, it's kind of like that, right? they, They just went to the person and like, you know, I had my issues with that one, too, where they they went to the killer and the killer just like, yeah, it was me. Like they they just kind of gave up and it, it just felt like a really forgettable ending to this B line, right? <laughs> B. Very line. nice, very nice, <laughs> very nice. Good job. Good job. Um, so I agree completely, and that was my initial read. But when I like watched it again, I was kind of like, "All right, like, why is this lady here? Like, what is she doing?" And so she's like. I guess an acupuncturist who starts maiming her patients or killing her patients, leaving them out to die because she feels she's unable to help with their pain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, this is like a, a healer or someone in a position who's supposed to be helping people who's lost their way and is now, you know, hurting them, overstepping the bounds, but you know, out of a desire to help. And mm-hmm. I don't know, we see so many bad doctors in this show just unethical serial killers um you know manipulating the patients um and so she's kind of like of a piece with hannibal or chilton or sutcliffe um but her intentions are actually a little more pure than any of them right a little bit more noble i'd say yeah like she actually so she's kind of a corrupted sort of healer the same way that they are but she's actually of all of them the sort of the best of them and maybe not Sutcliffe, but um, and then and then she's also like you know, it, and she also raises up again that same question that we see with Bella is like you know um, when is a life not worth living? 
And, you know, it's the mirror image of, 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 you know, when is it okay to take your own life? When is it okay to take someone else's life or allow them to take it? Yes, exactly. I thought, so like, I thought this a was a great parallel, parallel with Bella. Yeah, it's a good parallel with Bella. I didn't like it at first, but when I watched it, I was like, yeah, all right, I can kind of see it. And there's some gr- cool imagery, too. The beehive head is pretty sweet. No, uh, I mean, I, I think the imagery is very, very cool. Like, especially the guy who is still alive. Right with his mm-hmm. like eyes missing, and he's just while Price and Zeller are just like in like looking at him and then talking next to him, and he's just like still moving around. That was so creepy. Empty ass eye yeah. sockets. <laughs> Absolutely creepy. Like so, I, I will give it that. When I say it's like shoehorned, then th- that's kind of partly how I feel. That it, it just feels like it's there to be a parallel. Where I felt right, like yeah. the stuff for Bella's story was still already so strong it doesn't need a foil yeah i agree I, yeah i get you i get you i get mm-hmm. you yeah no that, that's a good point and I, I definitely felt that same way in the first read yeah, i'm trying to I, try, I'm, tr- I'm trying to revisit this episode uh, with an open mind you know mm-hmm. yeah i i do really like the parallel between what was her name Catherine. Catherine, i think She's mm-hmm. the she's a killer. I think uh, I think there's a great parallel between her and Bella, obviously, and they both represent like a sort of like I want to say selfishness, where they're taking the decision out of someone's hand, right? Mm-hmm. Because like her victims, she's she thinks that they need mercy, so she's taking that decision for them to choose on their own out of their hand, and then Bella selfishly wants to have Jack not be able to give a goodbye that he wants to give her by just dying before that. Right. And she wants to do that to spare him the pain, whether or not he wants to be spared that pain or not. Right. So there's like this thread of like a little selfishness here, which I think is really great. And, and I mean, this, this whole thing with Bella is, is crazy. This is one of the craziest scenes of this season so far. I think, I mean, it's not like, it's not like crazy in terms of like violence or like, um, shock factor but like just what hannibal does and like how much he does not give a shit about what he does is crazy to me (laughs) so yeah this was the scene okay so yeah what happens is that bella goes to hannibal's office and they're having i guess a session and hannibal kind of quickly realizes like something's up no no go back go back they meet earlier in the episode and and they talk and, uh, you know, Hannibal talks to her about, uh, you know, death actually being a release. And I don't know, is he sort of trying to convince her to commit suicide here? Or is he actually giving her good advice? It's is he, is he incepting her? Don't know. <laughs> yeah, is he incepting her? Because like, you, you never really know what the hell Hannibal is thinking. So is he trying to be a good healthcare provider to her? I kind of doubt it. But, like, he sort of helps her come to this decision that she's going to commit suicide. And then uh, she shows up again later in the episode to his office. And at that point, she's taken a whole bunch of morphine in an effort to sort of end her life. Not a whole bunch of morphine, all of her morphine. She says all of her morphine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So they quick, Hannibal quickly realizes something's wrong. And that's when Bella admits to what she's done. She kind of dozes off, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the, at the point that she die and then he, she rev- he revives her? Or she's just... Yeah. No, then, I don't think she's dead. She doesn't but... die, right? She kind of just dozes off and waiting for the end. And then Hannibal kind of sits there for a second thinking about what he wants to do. And I guess he goes to his cabinet and he goes to his bag and he he pulls out. No, he doesn't think no, about no, no, it. No, no. He flips a coin. You're right. He does flip the coin. He flips a coin. I think that is the extent of how. The implication is then he that's how he decided. Yes. yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, That's he's fucking two-faced. Like yeah. he does not give a shit whether she lives or dies. Oh, man, I didn't read it that way. Oh yeah, no. You get that no, reading? No. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. What, for sure. what did you think he was doing? Just flipping a coin just for the hell of it? <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. Like <laughs> just like he's that like, detached. Like he just is like. I, I thought he took that second to think about it, and like the coin is mm. like in, like a uh, something that kind of symbolizes Bella. Because I don't remember. Does he look at the coin when he done, he's done flipping it? He does, I think. Okay, well, I, I didn't read it that way, but I, I read the situation more as like he took the second to think like, okay, should I do this for Jack or should I not do this for Jack? Like he makes the decision rather than the coin. Interesting. No, I read this as Hannibal Dent yeah, I, over here. Oh, yeah. man. I read it yeah. totally different. Interesting. That's you know, that's cool. Yeah. No, I, I think he totally flips the coin to make that decision, and I and and I don't know if it's the decision between should I help Jack or should I hurt Bella, right? 
Like, is he making a decision? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think because he's a serial killer, you know, like he does things just to be cruel sometimes, to be sadistic, and, and I think he just genuinely can't decide whether he'd rather see Jack in despair after his wife dying, or whether he'd rather see Bella in despair after having been saved when she didn't want to be. So I okay. think it's see, unclear I, I, which option is more cruel, and so he flips the coin because he honestly can't tell which would be more interesting. See, I read it differently. I read it more as like like I was saying before, like I'm very confused on his relationship with Jack in the sense that I can't never tell if he's wanting to be Jack's friend or he really just wants to screw with Jack. And I read it more as is he gonna give Bella the mercy that she wants, or she's gonna save her so that it screws with Jack? Say, say it again. What? Why would saving her screw with Jack? Because I think the the emotional trauma of having to watch Bella go through what she does have to go through eventually would screw up Jack more than letting her die at this moment. Oh, interesting. I That's how that, I read it. Oh, that interesting. is interesting, but I feel like in some way Jack is prepared to go through that and. If Bella just dies right now, right then and there, of a morphine overdose, it would be way more painful for Jack than if he had to watch her waste away. Because in some way, he he's girded himself for that already because he knows that she has this terminal cancer, right? And and I do think that this this overdose uh, suicide would have been way more distressful for Jack. But that's but so yes. interesting. I read I yeah. read it. I just I totally read it the opposite way. Interesting. This is, yeah. I mean, this is what's so great about the show. People have different readings, and it's uh, it's what's interesting, right? It's and Hannibal is so opaque; you'd never know. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what's going on within his head? It's just and maybe he's opaque because there's like nothing there. Like like as Derek is saying, you don't know whether he's a friend to Jack or not. Maybe like those terms don't even apply because he's just unable to actually form the sort of relationships that a normal person would. So maybe mm-hmm. this is as close as he can be to being a friend with Jack. And it's just like, yeah, I like killed your trainee and murder people, but, you know, I don't know, I'll still cook you a nice breakfast and have with you and give you good advice about your wife and your career. Like, <laughs> maybe that's as close as he can get. I, mm. I don't know. I think I've always read it as Hannibal fucking with Jack this entire time. Because when it comes to friendship, I feel like the only person that's ever even come close to being a friend is will um and i think for hannibal friendship between jack is the light of friendship would not (laughs) reach them in a million years i don't know right yeah yeah yeah. Uh, that leaves the only other option the only other alternative that he's fucking with him this entire time right sure i I like i like that read because hannibal clearly sees himself as superior Mm -hmm. to jack Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like he, Jack isn't even on a level where friendship would be like that's a, a good call. You could possibly contemplate, call. right? Like, like you're not on my like. How can I be friends with you? Be like being friends with like an animal or something. Whereas like he thinks Will is somehow on his level in terms of mm-hmm. intelligence mm-hmm. or empathy, or he thinks Will, you know, because at the end of the day he's a serial killer, right? And so like Jack, if he ever knew that, would be against him. Whereas he feels like Will, with his like empathy and his I don't know malleability, he feels like he can make Will into someone who would be able to accept and understand him. Whereas he knows mm-hmm. it's not the case with Jack. And so I think that's part of the reason he works on Will so hard is because he feels like he sees. I think I think that's the best take. I think that is exactly what it is. Um, at least at least that's my opinion. But okay, well then I was going to say that I I don't think that he would leave it up to chance of a coin because at the same time, like if Bella were to die now, it would put Jack in distress. But Jack would essentially get over it, right? He would put himself in his work and move on. But if Bella is alive longer it does put Jack in a more questionable position to be manipulated, right? Because he's also having to deal with not just his work life, but also his personal life of his wife dying slowly. I never even actually thought of that. That's actually... Maybe, yeah. Yeah, uh, so like, it's it's like being able to use Jack in this way, right? Or manipulating Jack in this way. Mm-hmm. That's why I read it like that way, just because it's more beneficial for Hannibal if Jack is being in the position he is now. See, I don't think he sees Jack as a forward adversary to be conquered, because I think he thinks he's already beaten him. So like, I don't think he thinks in terms of manipulating Jack to keep Jack in the dark, because Jack is already in the dark. Like, I think, I mean, he's careful to cover tracks and so on, but I don't think he sees it as, okay, let me set up Jack to be, I think he just does what's sort of fun for him. Mm. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't think he's he feels like he's in danger of being caught by Jack. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, a bunch of different readings you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to move on? Let's talk about yeah. Beverly. Alas, poor Beverly. <laughs> so we kind of get the return of a killer of the week, right? In this, in the form of de- his dead body, right? The muralist. The muralist, my favorite killer. <laughs> <laughs> because I guess you know they finally figure out that the killer for that week was you know in fact sewn into his own canvas uh, or into his own mural. And that leads Beverly down this rabbit hole of figuring out who possibly could have killed this muralist, right? Was it a friend? Was it an accomplice? Was it somebody else, right? That they just don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. And then that, like I said, Beverly is going down this rabbit hole that eventually leads her to the, where we are at the end of the episode. I do find it interesting that she has that little moment with Hannibal and she is very forthright and tells her like, yeah, you know, me and Will made an agreement, you know, he helps me and I help him look after the killer. And then you just see that look on Hannibal's face. Like at that point, I'm like, why did you tell him that? I know. <laughs> well, well, I mean, she couldn't know that she has no reason to distrust Hannibal. Left, right? Oh yeah, I know. That's me. That's for the audience. Uh, right? Aside that, from yeah. Will's crazed, uh, deranged accusations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tragic because Jack had already ordered her to do analysis on Hannibal's stuff, but she doesn't take that seriously because she thinks it's all part of Will's delusions, right? Um, But little does she know. So that scene where Beverly tells Hannibal that she's consulting with Will, this is when Hannibal, this is a trap by Hannibal, right? Is this a trap by Hannibal to, to set Beverly up? She uh, did ever to find the stitches under oh, the stitches. Interesting. I don't know. See, well, I don't is... know. Also, because okay, so I didn't bring this up earlier, but let's say the Bella situation played out differently, right? If he let Bella die, then wouldn't he have been there as a friend for Jack and then not gone home? Because it's Bella who who tells Hannibal to leave the room, right? And that's true. Too. And go home. Ooh, right. So like he didn't know that Beverly was in his house. No, unless no unless maybe he has cameras. I don't know. But yeah, he didn't know that Beverly's in his house. It just happens that Bella told no, him to go right. home and then he was there at the right time. Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right on that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read it as a trap. I thought he was just being his like helpful FBI liaison self and helping Beverly with the investigation. Because I feel like Beverly doesn't have enough to go on to suspect him at this point, and he knows that. So, like, because she's not suspicious of him at this point, right? But mm-hmm. she is suspicious that Will and her are working together because he does make again the comment that, "Oh, every time I hear stuff oh, yeah, come out of your like mouth, that. it sounds like Will." Yeah, so, like, if like she's that. not smart enough to figure it out, uh, Will is though, right? Yeah, I don't think he was trying to play her. I feel like. I get the feeling that he was. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it went according to his plan like exactly. I don't think he was expecting Beverly to show up so early. Yeah, but. she really moves fast. What what is it that makes her just decide? Is it just a spur of the moment thing? Cuz she goes to try and warn Jack, right? That she's suspicious of Hannibal. And he happens to be at the hospital at the time. She takes that mm-hmm. opportunity to go investigate Hannibal. But what is the like that final piece of evidence that makes her so sure about that Hannibal because that something's Will, up with Hannibal? Will is Will's been right about everything with the muralist, right? And I think the fact that uh Will's insights have been correct gives credence to his suspicions about Hannibal. No no matter how small it it spurs Beverly into action. Mm. Right? And and I think Beverly may be able to um restate Will's theories, but she does not have his empathy or his knowledge of how dangerous Hannibal is. So she's probably just like, oh, I'll just check out Hannibal's house. It's probably nothing or whatever, but Little does she know that um, Hannibal's extremely dangerous, right? And Will even says so. He's like, stay away from Hannibal. But, like, she does not take that seriously, right? No, Um, she's kind of just like, yeah, whatever. I'll just check it out and just see. Will's kind of crazy. And then, you know, yeah, because I actually even have it here. Um, And Will does mention, I think part of the reason you're thinking is trapped because Will says that. He goes, oh, he's toying with you. He toyed with me for months. And she goes, oh, well, he pointed me to the evidence. And, she, he, and Will says, he pointed you to an absence of evidence. He's baiting a hook. Mm-hmm. Stay away from Hannibal Lecter. Go to Jack. Tell him everything. And yeah. she says, I, I can't bring this up until I can back it up. And she goes, huh. 
The Chesapeake Ripper kept surgical trophies. If Hannibal's the Ripper, what's he doing with his trophies? So it seems like at this point that, yeah, Beverly is convinced now, I guess, because because of the mural. Because, I guess, like, like you said, because of his insights about the muralist. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody killed the muralist and sold him to the cannabis. And, you know, Beverly's at least considering the, the possibility that it might be Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about two things that kind of annoyed me about this episode. What was yeah, the kind of... So, sorry, sorry. Let me, let me cut you off real quick. I apologize. I just want to cut you off real quick to just add something real quick. This, like, the end of the scene is right when Will realizes, I think it's the first time anyone realizes that Hannibal is a, is a cannibal. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it because though? she... Yeah, because Beverly goes, the Chesapeake Ripper kept surgical trophies. And Hannibal's the Ripper, what's he doing with his trophies? And then you get the flashback of Will eating the sausages with eggs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In episode, from episode one. So, yeah, have they never mentioned that the Chesapeake Ripper eats its victims? He, they all just think that he takes trophies, right? But they don't know what they what he does with the trophies? I don't know. It seems like it was just a... Like an epiphany, right? Yeah. Well, it's more that Hannibal was... The cannibal, or is that Hannibal was feeding me other humans? Mm, yeah, maybe maybe that's it. I'm mean, yeah. confused though because I thought that it was already established that the copycat was a cannibal, and if Will already knows that the cannibal and the Ripper are one and the same, wouldn't he already know that Hannibal is a cannibal? Or am I am I thinking of this? I'm wrong? not sure. Yeah, now I can't remember if they they've ever said that he eats his victims. Right, because the cannibal aspect is always associated with Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Yes, I can't remember now if they've ever mentioned that in the past. The Chesapeake Ripper eats his victims. Hannibal eats people so often that we just don't know when people are because we, we know, yeah, right? We know, yeah, we know. Obviously, yeah. No, so, yeah, is the epiphany that he's now that is a good that? question. That is a that, good question. But it's, I guess, it's a double epiphany that it's like Hannibal eats people, but then he's also feeding me people. Right, because right. he yeah, remembers maybe, yeah. specifically that he's eating this sausage. He's the one who eats the sausage, and then you get that little smirk from Hannibal, uh, <laughs> which is great. So yeah, maybe it's a double yeah. epiphany. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Know. Maybe our audience knows, and they can tell us. Yeah, maybe. Someone, yeah. someone send us an email with the answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I was gonna say that the two things that I was a little bit annoyed by is just like I always I hate this kind of trope or the this. This is like a pet peeve of mine, like the deus ex machina, right? The thing that just kind of gets solved by coincidence. The the first one being like when uh, Beverly's with Price and Zeller and they say that line about, uh, I can't remember exactly what they say, but then she realizes it's the stitches under the stitches. And then the second instance is when she, like, she's in Hannibal's house and she's just like happens to knock over a glass of wine uh, mm. that, that shows her that there's an underground cellar. Like it's those moments that I don't, I, I just feel like that's uh, not as strong kind of like storytelling or it, plot devices that are just like uh, too much. Yeah, of a I mean, you didn't have to have her knock something over to find that, right? You could have had her be a little more intuitive and find yeah. that uh, secret passageway some other way, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That, that didn't that didn't add much to me. I, th- I think that, that didn't add, like, I agree with you that that, that could have been digging out. The, the Zeller, Price and Zeller thing doesn't bother me so much. I think it's difficult to, like, show epiphanies in Maybe it's just giving them too much like leeway, but I feel like showing an epiphany in a visual medium is difficult, right? Like it's something that happens internal to characters in their head, and like, well, we we just talked about a, an example that I thought was pretty good, right? Like all of a sudden we flashback like Will eating a sausage, and it's like we we get it. Like he he now realizes that you know Hannibal's a cannibal, and then he's feeding other people to other people, right? So it's like mm-hmm. that. I thought that was a really clever way of an epiphany versus like. It's like, what did you say? And then she's like, it's stitches under stitches. It's like, ugh, you couldn't. It's not quite that. This is because uh, I have it here. It says the stings are hiding needle marks, and she goes, yeah. "What do you say?" Because the stings are hiding needle marks, which was mm-hmm. like directly relevant to what they were talking. About. It's not exactly the same thing as stitches hiding stitches. Yeah, but right? it's like that just yeah, overused like trope of like someone says something and then it just like it solves your problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I don't like that kind of storytelling at times. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. But I, like I said, it's a nitpick. It's like a small, minor thing that I just like. It annoys me when I see it in in TV shows and in movies. But like I said, I think this is these two episodes are great. So like, it's honestly minor nitpicks. Uh, do we want to get into that the big moment when we're we're under the cellar? Do you want do you want to move to that, or do you want to tie other things up first? Oh, do we have anything else to tie up? I don't remember. So the only one thing one thing I wanted to mention, which is what, which I thought was really crazy. 
is um, Will does his uh, narcotherapy with Chilton. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he remembers that Hannibal had been manipulating him the whole time by inducing his seizures and blackouts with like strobe lights and medication and stuff like that. So I think this was part of what makes me go like, it's unbelievable the levels to which Hannibal has been going to manipulate Will. Um, You know, you don't see it so much in the first season and you think, oh, he's just like a charming manipulator who covers his tracks. But like, no, he's drugging Will. He's like trying to induce seizures in Will. Yeah. He, li- he He's obviously lying to him on a regular basis. Um, he lies to him about the fact that he has a medical condition. He's drugging him and he, and he shoves that tube down his throat and puts the ear in his stomach. Like, this isn't like, I guess, like all subtle like, psychological, psychological manipulation. Like, he's drugging it's, and like yeah. medically torturing will yeah it's it's vicious and it's sadistic yeah, yeah it's and it's really extreme and really like which is not what i, I guess i expected from Hannibal Lecter. i always thought Hannibal Lecter is this like manipulator and he's got you know a smooth t- a silver tongue and you know he convinces multiple nigs to kill himself or whatever but he's just like a charming smart guy he's not like going around drugging people and you know, uh, I don't know, inducing seizures in people and stuff like that. It's like a very crude, brutal method of manipulation. And uh, I don't think I realized until now how overt he was in his methods. I also want to mention, like, the more that Will recovers his memories, the more even footing he is on with Hannibal. I think, like, if you look at, like, the end of season one and maybe even the first two episodes of this season, maybe a little less so at the beginning of this season, but, like, it's hard to imagine Will being able to take on Hannibal, right? But like here, the more information that he has, the more confident he becomes. And you see like this change in Will. And I think that's very interesting. And I think Hugh Dancy plays that change very, very well. Um, Absolutely. Where like at the end of the last season, he was utterly broken. But now that he has all this information as ammunition, it puts him on more of like an even keel with Hannibal. And I think that's where the fascinating uh, push and pull comes this season, right? I think I think that's where we're going to see the the best of this, this season, so. That's yeah. a great point, yeah. Like, um, you know, even in the first couple of seasons, he even admits it. He's like, yeah, I almost believed it myself, at least some of it, right? And so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, and he's, he's smart too, right? Because like, I mean, like we saw this in the last two episodes, the first two episodes, like I mentioned this, that he is willing to keep information from the FBI, his former friend, his friends. They're still his friends. Um, they still want to help them, right? But like he's, he's not willing to give away that information for free where like I feel like someone lesser than Will would say, like, oh, they're my friends, you know, like I want to help them with this information. But like... He knows how valuable that information is, especially now that he's no longer in the employ of the FBI, right? So he's leveraging that. And I think I think that's like a smart writing decision for, for Will here. So And uh, he's also playing an interesting game here, trying to manipulate Hannibal through Chilton as well. Yeah, exactly. Like right, cutting right. off Hannibal's access to him and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um and, and uh, trying to tread, tread lightly as far as, you know, overtly accusing Hannibal in public because he knows it makes him look crazy. There's all kinds of interesting interesting little things going on here. Very yeah. dangerous game. <laughs> oh, sorry, I wanted to bring up like a, a visual tie-in actually to, I think it was episode one of the season. If you guys remember, like there's a, a scene where it was Will and Alana in, I guess, a, contain, a containment room. And then she tries to use this light therapy. Do you guys remember that? She uses like mm-hmm. a metronome yeah. with the light. Yeah. And then we see her as this kind of like black shadowy figure. Mm-hmm. So like, I thought that was like, like watching that again, I, it made so much more sense knowing that, you know, also Hannibal is also was using the light therapy and that, that like, it's kind of a representation that like somehow this light therapy was used against Will. Right, because like it triggers, oh, it triggers something in him, and that he sees like Alana as this black shadowy figure, like almost like you know how he sees Hannibal now, Hannibal. As, like black the man style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, thought, I never no, thought about that. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I only noticed it the second time I watched it because, of course, I, the first time I watched, it, I was like, I don't remember. I didn't remember that that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting, kind of visual tie-in. Yeah. 
So another thing I want to just put a pin in, I don't know if you guys have an answer for it right now, is like, wow, at what point, because Will is still at this point marshalling his forces to fight against Hannibal, at what point does he start to kind of fall in love with Hannibal? Um, that's the thing, right? I mean, we're talking about the whole, uh, like a whole series arc thing. And I don't know if I'm seeing it yet right now, but maybe oh, I, I see it. I, I mean, it, I was going to say that it's debatable. Like if you ever will see it, right? Like some people might never interpret that it's that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think it really is up to you, right? As a viewer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you agree with that, Jeff? Or is that, do you think it's clear at some point he does? Uh, I mean, I don't think it ever becomes overt. Yeah. As this season progresses, I think there's more and more of that. And then season three, for sure, uh, there's more hints of that. But it's never it never becomes part of the text, I don't think. Yeah, they don't say uh, out loud, like, I love no, you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right, run, but I mean, come on, you know? we're adults. Like, yeah. you can look at people's actions and how they talk about other people and the mutual obsession. And, like, come on. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it necessarily has to be, like, a sex thing or whatever. But, I mean... At what point does Will go from this is my enemy who I have to defeat to like this is a guy who I have like, this really intimate sort of relationship with? Um, mm. Because, you know, at, at the beginning, this is all a one-sided kind of admiration, right? Um, you know, uh, he even right. says, like, well, I, I just don't find you that interesting. And Hannibal goes, oh, you will, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely know, think at, it at doesn't come does until start later. To, yeah. At what point does that start to come back? Yeah, because I don't think I see it quite yet. Yeah. I think he still sees Hannibal as a villain and as his enemy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know quite when that changes because I do think it does change. Mm. And also, yeah, although Brian, Brian Fuller himself said that there's no question that Will and Hannibal are both straight heterosexual men. And he goes on to say, like, that doesn't mean that I can't tell a love story between them. Right. Yeah. So like, it's interesting. Like, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say. Yeah, um, so I just, I guess, just to keep an eye out on it and keep revisiting. Yeah, 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 definitely. That, that definitely something we want to touch upon because, every time we see. Because, you know, I thought even in season one that a lot of this show was going to be about Hannibal trying to make Will more like himself. Trying to either turn him into a serial killer or, I don't know, abrade his resistance to murder and his sensitivity to killing and kind of make him more like himself or make him into someone who could understand Hannibal. You know, he's trying to ma- almost make himself a friend by turning Will into a serial killer mm-hmm. or make himself we, a life partner. We do get more of that, somehow. though. And we do. But I'm yeah. saying, you know, that's kind of what I thought in season one. And then as the yeah, season came yeah, on, yeah. I was like, oh, he wasn't trying to make Will a serial killer. He was trying to frame Will as a serial killer. Yeah. And I, I do think there's still some of that original motive going. And so I would like to see how much, um, you know, when do we start to see, you know, creeping on the edges, Hannibal changing Will. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Because I think he does change it. I just think, yeah. I just think it's a, a slow, subtle change, and I want us to keep our eyes open for it as we, as we go on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but uh, R.I.P. Beverly. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to We don't know that yet. Cavalry episode. <laughs> Come on. She's <laughs> done for. Um, especially, like, that final gunshot that goes yeah, through the floor. Yeah, goes through the floor, Like, because yeah. um, if... If you're shooting at someone and then like they grab the gun and you're shooting in the air already, you're probably probably on the defensive and you're probably if you're if you're fighting against Hannibal and and he's got a hold of your gun, you're you're probably uh, done for, right? But it's uh, a, it's a really cool moment, right? She goes down in the cellar. It's completely dark. She's kind of descent into the underworld, as, yeah, this, she, as this series likes to do, from you know, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. on down, just yeah. people descending into this, you know, into Hades or whatever. She's trying to get a a better look around and then she turns on the light and then behind, not directly behind her, but behind her behind, I guess some of the, the like the plastic, some plastic, you, we see the kind of silhouette of Hannibal. Mm-hmm. She turns around, they make eye contact, like shit's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Hannibal hits the lights. She starts firing. And then like Jeff said, we get the, he's the, so fast. fast. He's, yes. <laughs> so scary. He's terrifying. Yeah. He's horrifying in this. Yeah. And, uh, the one in one, another interesting thing is before she realizes Hannibal's there, she like gasps and kind of is like, Oh no. And she sees something. What is it you think that she sees? Oh, 
bodies like body part more body parts that's true they don't reveal what she's they they don't reveal what it is that she sees right so what she sees i don't think we do i don't think it's we like ever see it's, it's, what she sees it's like what's oh. in the briefcase in pulp fiction you know it's just whatever you, <laughs> you know to marcel's yeah. Wallace's soul um i think yeah i think yeah like initially my Initial impression was that he's just like human body parts stacked up or something like that. It's like a leg or some shit that he's in the middle of cutting or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I read something really interesting about what that might be. And so let's talk about that later towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, like Jeff says, we go back up to the dining room and we we hear a gunfire, but then we see the final gunshot go through the bottom of the floor and we kind of know, well, someone fired up and not straight. So we, we definitely can imply that. It doesn't look good for Beverly. Mm-hmm. So when they showed us that shot, I immediately thought, like, oh, this bullet hole is going to be, like, the way they catch Hamill or something. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, yeah. You could, I, I definitely read it that way, too. Like, times, like, oh, or something like that. Like, I, I'm going to keep an eye out for this if we ever see the floor or, like, someone yeah, goes Yeah, does someone ever go table. back? Yeah, go yeah. back to Hannibal's home and see, like, this bullet hole. Yeah, yeah, I, like I so read that it was Beverly getting... Her shit wrecked. That, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even. No, no, yeah. But I also never. I didn't even think about that. That this was yeah. gonna be. Uh, I thought that was gonna be that's for the, the like, FBI to follow, right? Yeah, her kind uh, of revenge, like you know. Yeah. Okay, she like like those first two missed shots don't do anything, but that third one that goes up and punctures the floor, maybe it. You know, I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I thought yeah. I, that's just kind of what I thought. Yeah. No, I, I had that same thought too. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Not not interesting. We're on the same page on that one. Nice, nice. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, two great episodes. Yeah, good episodes here. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with both of these. What an insane ending with, Be- with Beverly, uh, you know, Beverly f- facing off Hannibal and, of course, the other plot of Bella dying and that de- and Hannibal making that decision so callously. Now they tie together. Um, it, it's like, it's so excellent. It's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I'm so, so excited to talk about next week. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Because if we um, think we think we you know what happens to Beverly, you don't know what happens yeah, to Beverly. Amir, you almost you almost you almost said the D word when I came to Beverly, but we don't know yet, right? We don't know if it's good or not. Very true. So, very true. Uh, we'll oh, yeah. find out next next week. But uh, I think if no one has anything else to say, is that going to conclude this week's episode? Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Okay, Jeff, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on strangeharbors.com. You can see more of my writing and more of my work. And also you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can also find me on strangeharpers.com where I'm ghostwriting all of Jeff shit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you can find me, you can find me on uh, Letterboxd. I'll occasionally post some movie reviews on there. Well, not yet, but we're working on it. We're working on it. What about you, Derek? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at the wrong dig, dig spelled D A Y I K. Uh, that's for Instagram and Twitter. And also, I just relaunched my podcast. We retooled it. Um, we're called Geeks in a Pod. So it's me and three other friends. We kind of just debate. We discuss all various topics in, in the world of geekdom and nerddom. It's really exciting for me to kind of get the, to do this with them because we we took like an eight-month hiatus. But yeah, if you can find that, you, got, you can find that podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. The only thing I will say is that Spotify, for some reason, with their algorithms, which I really don't like at the moment, it's very hard to find the podcast. So if you just put in the title Geeks and Pod and then put my name, that's a lot easier to find it that way. But yeah, I mean, we we just started that one. So uh, some support would be great. But we'd also like your support on this podcast. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the podcast platforms. Also, uh, please give us a, a great star rating. It's one of the easy free ways to, to really show your support because it helps to kind of switch up the algorithms and everything. And honestly, uh, another great thing you guys could do is just word of mouth. Anyone, you know, likes listening to podcasts, just just give us that easy recommend. And we'd like to get into many, many more ears. Yeah. And uh, you guys don't have to recommend just on the strength of Hannibal. Like we talked about Watchmen before. Mm-hmm. We have a whole season where we just talk about different movies and topics. Um about film and television as well. So uh, if anyone's interested in any of that kind of stuff, recommend us to them and and uh, tell them to give us a listen. And if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, please send us an email. We uh, sometimes read the emails out on the podcast, um, especially if 
we're a little confused about something and we misremembered something, please, uh, please don't hesitate to let us know and uh, we'll we'll clarify all the things uh, and give you guys credit. So yeah, please tell don't me if I'm wrong. Know. The fact that yes. Hannibal wants to fuck with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this will conclude this week's episode. We will be back uh, with episodes five and six of season two next week. All right. See you guys next week. All right. See you next week, everybody. See you guys.